third time's the charm. Hello! We got a call recorder, and we got a Skype window, and we got no echo. We are ready to go. The only thing we have is a stubborn Skype window that won't let me adjust its position unless I hold down a modifier key. I have been looking forward to this for so long, and I want to thank you for your indulgence. Tonight, um, John and I will be talking exclusively about Apple's uh, troubled relationship with Epic Games and and what it all means. Um, we're going to be discussing that. We're going to be taking calls. And I think we'll finally be able to really settle this once and for all. No, that's a different podcast. Hmm. <laughs> what you know what we're talking about on this podcast? Mm-mm. Talking about eggs. Eggs. Eggs and legacy. Or as you would say, oh, no, you don't say this, but some people say eggs. It's the same word. You just said the same thing twice. No, some people say eggs and some people say eggs. Anyway, check out my egg. <sighs> oh, boy, you're really jumping right in. You, so you want to come back to Epic in a little bit? Because there's a whole thing going on where they're, now Apple is seeking um, damages from Epic. We're Should not we coming take some back calls? to Epic. We're not coming back to Epic. Okay. John uh, says he sent me some eggs. Oh, no, you can't. Can, which, you just say egg, right? You, don't, you, just, you say it the same way I do. I, think. I, I, I say everything perfectly normally. You mm-hmm. make everything so much. Should I click this video? Yes, you should. Okay, I'm clicking a video that John has sent me. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. <gasps> John has done his homework. This is him. I guess you cleaned off your cook surface and turned it back into uh, an active working area. Mm-hmm. And you seem to have no problem at all frying an egg in a beautiful cast iron pan. Yeah, this is my cast iron pan that I think is around 20 years old that I've never done. And you, you stipulated last week that you don't do anything special to this. No, I mean, I mean, it's not entirely true. I, I don't like I don't wash it the same way that I wash my other pans and you put make sure that I leave a little bit of oil on it or put a little bit on it when I put it away. But the point is, I've never seasoned it. It came, quote unquote, pre-seasoned and I never did anything to season it other than just cooking in it. Clean living, man. You must be doing something right. So now when I look at it, when I finish cleaning it, like the surface is not particularly smooth. It's pretty smooth. This is a this is pretty good. Like if I just run my fingernails across, like it doesn't feel as smooth as Teflon. It doesn't feel as smooth as those ones on YouTube look, like the ones that look glassy smooth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on, and the YouTube things. This does not look like that. There, I think, to your point, if I had your chainmail thingy, right? Mm-hmm. I bet it would take some gunk off because I think it's some like cooked on food and gunk. Like the last thing I cooked in here were steaks uh, this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and there's some gunk on there or whatever. But here's the thing that I think saved me with this egg video. When I cook a uh, fried egg, which is what's in the video there, I do put down butter, not for lubrication, but just for taste. Mm-hmm. So I did do that here. And I think if I didn't have any butter, it wouldn't be quite as slippery. Whereas well, if I put it in Teflon I, without butter, it would probably still be pretty slippery. That's generous of you to say, but like, I don't even, I don't think you need to put that asterisk on it. I mean, what monster would cook an egg without some kind of an Somebody oil? Somebody on an infomercial for a nonstick pan. That's the only people who do that. Has this ever happened to you? Mm-hmm. So I said, look at this. I'm just putting an egg in with nothing and it doesn't <laughs> stick. This is very impressive. Yeah. So there we go. Oh, of course, me trying to swirl the thing around, like this is a very heavy pan and i don't think i'm going to be start cooking eggs in this at all or whatever just it's just good to know that uh all those years of uh benign neglect have resulted in i don't know something that's at least not worse than when i got it and it's probably a little better no no i also i would not have minded somebody else in your house shooting um a video of you making this video because it's only occurring to me now that you're using probably your left hand 
to jangle the pan around while you use presumably your right hand to shoot a, an iPhone video. Oh, how do I do that? I need my strong hand on this very heavy pan. So it's left strong. hand video, right hand oh. pan. Right hand pan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. I, I think this is very impressive. Yeah, I used ours last night uh, for some steak searing. And um, I did the, you know, I did the basic clean it off. I th- what I'll do sometimes is I'll throw a little bit of water in there to like just sort of loosen everything up and then do the chain mail and applied a little bit of my special oil. But man, I wish my family would get the hell out of the house so I could really properly fix these boys up. Yeah, I, I did my my weekend. I mentioned I did some steaks in here, had some friends over and I was trying to do simultaneous outdoor grill, indoor steak. Mm. Right. So I got steaks in this thing, but then I got stuff on the grill and I'm running back and forth. Don't recommend. Not easy to give the proper attention to both of the things because there's too much distance between them. Mm. Oh, I don't mean to zoom in on your live photo, but I- I'm impressed that you had people over. Yeah. No, some some friends of ours are uh, moving out of the country. We're kind of sad about it. This is our last hurrah. Oh, but you, but you you feel safe enough to do that, which is cool. We've had a couple of distance visits with them. We were all outdoors and, you know, seated. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the analogy is, but like, is it like a tribunal where you're seated, like intentionally comically far away from everybody, right? I think you're, I think you're thinking of the Jedi Council. Or like, but no, but like in rows, right? So because it's like, you know, two, two families, right? Oh. So they've got, uh, you know, uh, them and their kids and us and our kids and we're I mean, separate rows facing each other and everything, you know, outdoors. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, we've had a couple of, of distance visits with them usually in their backyard because they've got a much bigger backyard. But when they came over here, we did it just on our front lawn. Like our whole street now, if you look on everyone's front lawn, there's a bunch of, there's like rows of chairs set up like 12 feet apart, right? Wow. In two sections in like the home and visitor section, right? So people <laughs> yeah, can right, come. Right, right, So people can come and visit with each other and, and speak through their masks 12 feet apart outdoors, right? So far so good with our kid. Um, she had a socially distanced I forget if I told you this. I think I told Roderick, but a socially distance uh, birthday party for a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be, we thought it was going to be a drive-by, but it was actually a, a, a backyard thing. But she, of course, had her mask. She had a really good time. And then yesterday, um, she and her pal and their moms did a socially distanced, like, three-mile walk. And I think it was, I think it was really good for her. Yeah, I've been thinking about what's going to happen. Like, we've been doing a lot of those things. Like, my daughter goes to see one of her friends, and they do, like, backyard night of the movies where they, I don't know, they have a projector or something. And and they've had a couple of gatherings of, uh, you know, two or three uh, people there in the backyard. I'm assuming they're being good. This is the same person she used to meet across the river. Like, yeah, the built, photo uh, you sent, yeah. In the, in the Springsteen song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a different, slightly different meaning. Anyway. Yeah. Um, for her 19th birthday, she got a union card and a wedding coat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, no, that's the river. Yeah. You know, meeting across the river, a different song. Yeah. 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 Mr. State Trooper. I know the song. All right. I was speaking of songs that were stuck in my, I, I made an offhand comment on this podcast. Uh, I don't remember. You're not going to remember either. We're both old. But anyway, at some point, something someone said, uh, triggered me to say smallpox blanket, no way. And I, and I, that popped into my head for whatever reason. Recently, I'm like, wait a second, what song is that from? I know yeah. it's an REM song, but shouldn't I be able to just play the rest of the song in my head and get up to the chorus and find out what song it is? And I tried to do that, and I wait, would wait, try wait, to slow, slow, slow down, slow down. Let me see. If you could... Well, first of all, without telling me what it is, did you get it? No, I had to look it up. Okay, I'm gonna guess just because it feels kind of um, 
life's rich pageant. Well, so here's the th- can you can you hear that? I should do the cans. It was smallpox blanket. No way. Uh, and, and then it's just, it's stipe. No, all I hear it. is we didn't start the fire. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not. But it's 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 uh, R.E.M. song. And I couldn't I couldn't mm-hmm. get through the song to like normally I can play either forwards or backwards and find the chorus and be like, oh, there's the title of the song. A little bit trickier with R.E.M. songs. So I'm like, why? Why can't I remember this? So I didn't struggle too much. I just immediately went and Googled it. And I think the reason I couldn't get it and the reason you probably won't get it at all is it's later R.E.M. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have a chance. Right. So this is uh, diminished, I think, from up. Oh, people love that album. It's good. No, I wait, is that the one they like? What's the one everybody likes? No, What's... nobody likes Up except for me. Up, is that like a blue cover with like a graphic device on it? Yeah, that was the, that was the first uh, first Burryless album, I thought. First significant Burryless album. Yeah. Just just drum machines, right? Or whoever they got to fill in. It was, but anyway, people don't like it, but I do. There's a lot of good songs there. I think diminishes from Up. If not, it's maybe from the album after that, which I think people like better. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I've been going back through some R.E.M. lately. Didn't, didn't watch any, um, you know, educational videos, but I have been going back into, there's a pretty rich vein of, I have found, of 1983-1984 concerts that are just right in the pocket for the kind of R.E.M. that I like, including some really long ones. Also reminds me that, that like what what an odd phenomenon it is that there's so much video documentation of certain times, certain eras, if you like, on YouTube, and then others are like pretty memory hold. Like I, my gut is there's more stuff from the '80s on YouTube than there is from the '90s on YouTube. Yeah, I wonder if it's like you have to have a certain distance from like the uh, the corporate overlords, right? So it's oh, safe, I see. It's yeah. safe to put up that crappy '80s video because anybody who owned it is like died, right? Or the mm-hmm. company's dissolved or got merged or the, the rights are all so confused. Whereas the 90s is, a, is close enough to now that like, hmm. you know. That's, that's, that's entirely possible. But it's also that there's so much of the stuff from the 90s. I mean, obviously stuff that's from a real long time ago. I don't know, beyond an old beta. There's a lot of stuff from the, on the 90s that looks very Tim and Eric. Like where there's just a ton of, you know, artifacts and tracking noise and stuff like that. But yeah, you, you might be right. And from, from what I learned from our friend Jason Snell, it sounds like people are out there, you know, throwing, what is it, not DMCA, but like takedowns or uh, claims, like left and right on YouTube. It sounds miserable. Yeah, any of, the, any of the big companies that know that they own something from the mm-hmm. 90s, if they know it and they've told their machines that, you know, instantly it'll get flagged on YouTube. But uh, the 80s maybe, like if you think about, you know, who owned these things in the 80s? A lot of these companies just got, you know, merged and merged and merged and like don't no longer exist in any form that's recognizable. And I feel like that's kind of the borderline of where things might be safe. The other thing about the 80s, this was uh, a thing a while ago when uh, that uh, was it AHA video or maybe it was just straight up George Michael. Anyway, oh, when they, when they found the like high res. Yeah. Print. So stuff in the 80s might have been shot on film stuff in the Mm -hmm. 90s very very rarely was shot on film anymore right so a lot of it's just like obviously like you know recorded off a consumer tv on a consumer vcr yeah like the 90s the only people still doing things on film were like this is an important with a capital i music video so we're going to do it on film so maybe i don't know nine inch nails or something like that but like back in the 80s it was like if you are one of the top tier pop bands and we're going to do a video for mtv we might do it on film or we Mm -hmm. might do the monty python thing where all the outdoor scenes are on film and the indoor ones are on video and it's right right yeah but also um it's it's also funny how um I mean, I think we call it video, but I think most of those early ones were film. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 so, it's so hard to try and like disassemble all these parts and, and figure out what's going on. I had heard about the thing on Disney Plus that everybody was talking about a few weeks ago where there's this, you know, they have all these <laughs> really, there's a lot of, they, D- Disney, there's no vault anymore. <laughs> Disney is putting everything on Disney Plus, including weird stuff like, you've probably heard about this, a TV show from, it's pretty definitely 1977 or 78. And I, I, it becomes very apparent that it must have been from then. The Mouseketeers go to Walt Disney World. And they arrive, they go on the monorails, and it's got Lisa Welchel, you know, the, the, the spanking lady who was on Survivor. Uh, <laughs> it's got all that. But, but the, thing, the reason it got famous and passed around recently is everybody saying, oh, my God, who goofed? Because, first of all, it comes on, it looks kind of weird. But, like, you realize after a few minutes, oh, and it is terrible. But you realize after a few minutes, this is just a tape with the 1970X commercials still in it. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it exactly long enough to watch one commercial break, and I didn't want to torture myself anymore. But having said that, you might want to check it out just because I think didn't didn't beta used to be the standard for, for I don't a video, even know, for a television video. I don't know. Was it beta or was it? But there was something like that that large format, like big ass, you know, VHS, not VHS, but VCR tapes. But it looked really good considering better than it would have looked on my TV in the seventies. But there's an ad for this really cool. Tonk, I think it's a Tonka like custom van. And one of the features, you know, it's got seats and stuff in it, but one of the features is it has a CB radio, which means that was probably not made in 1975 and was definitely not made in 1979. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, was, that was definitely a yeah, moment. CBs were very 1977 to me. I need to correct myself so I don't get a million people telling me I said, aha, I should have said wham. No, but aha too. No, no, no. You, you're, you're less confused than you think. That somebody also found an original print of, um, take on me, take on me. Um, and there's like a two or four K version of it up on YouTube. Yeah, the 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 Wham one was last Christmas, right? Mm hmm. That's how I gave you my heart. Mm hmm. Yeah. Film. See if I can find those for notes. High res film, scanned back in at four K. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by going to squarespace.com diffs. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. You know, maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, you know, whatever you want to make on the global internet, you got to use the Squarespace it's so fun. It's so easy. It's an all-in-one platform. It lets you do whatever you need to do. Nothing to, nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. It's really, arguably, the thing that makes them Squarespace. They also have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I am such a fan of Squarespace. I find myself using Squarespace uh, every Monday uh, when I post the new episode of Roderick on the Line. Well, most Mondays, unless John's having a birthday or something. Um, It's so easy. It's so fun. You drag, you drop, you do a couple things, and boom, you got a website. Bob's your uncle. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you, my friend, can start a trial with no credit card required. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. 
When you decide to sign up, use that offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S, for 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, and it will show your support for John Syracuse. Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash DIFFS, offer code DIFFS for 10% off your first purchase. You will not regret it. It's a great thing. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Okay, do you uh, want to take some calls? That'd be kind of cool if we could take calls. Actually, no, that wouldn't be cool. kind of cool. Wouldn't be that good. You think it would be cool, but then you realize yeah. every time you've seen a, a call-in thing that's been cool, you realize it's a comedy sketch where they're not real call-ins and it's just part of the script. Yeah, I like the thing I've, I've gotten. I've gone back to the beginning of Blank Check and going through their, <laughs> I think, 15-part series on trying to figure out what The Phantom Menace is. And it's really funny because the, the main conceit of it is that this is the only Star Wars movie that was ever made. And so they have to like, <laughs> they have to be careful. Otherwise they get docked points. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, what was my point? Uh, was going back to the, oh, they show. do a thing where people like, you know, they, they do that thing where people will like record something on their iPhone and send mm-hmm. it in. And like, that's kind of cool. An actual yeah, call-in show, probably pre, not so pre, good. Pre-screened. Call-in shows, pre-screen, pre, uh, pre-called call-in show. So you can you can pick out the. So it's not like the C-SPAN call-in where you just anybody can call and it's live and it's just a disaster. <laughs> oh, God, um, we should mention a little bit of um, business. Uh, is that you know you can support the show by going to relay.fm/rd. By the time this episode uh, drops, as the youths say. Uh, members will have already had, boy, my tenses are tough tonight. Mm-hmm. Members will, will have, have al- been. <laughs> will have uh, already had the opportunity to hear our annual, uh, very special uh, member episode uh, once a year. Uh, John and I invite somebody on to visit with us, and it's always real fun. Do you want to tell them about what they get uh, this year? We were going to get Paula Poundstone as our guest, but we couldn't, so we got Paul Fallenstorm, mm-hmm. which sounds very similar. <laughs> <laughs> that same kind of wry, Paul wry sense of humor. That's right. Uh, I think it's a fun episode. Uh, remember that this special will not be in the feed you're listening to now. If you're a Relay member, all Relay members, no matter which show you support, have access to the Relay FM crossover feed. So if you go to Relay.fm and log into your membership thing and find like the membership feeds, you'll see one for whatever things you support. But also you'll see in the big pop-up menu, a feed called Relay FM Crossover. And that has our member special and all the other member specials across the whole network for all time. Some of those yep. are also really cool. So, And like, like John says, you get all the, all the great shows, but uh, for us, you'll get stuff with uh, the, the, my co-host from Dubai Friday. You can get uh, John Roderick, Tavaziri, Dan McCoy from The Flophouse. Um, I liked it too. I talked too much, and yet I still liked how it turned out because I was able to pick his brain a little bit about the whole like yeah. um, being an independent person process, and I, I got I did get the chance to like talk about this thing that I've been just been thinking about for for years, which is like, you know, the, <laughs> none of us know what our job will be in the future anymore, and isn't it wild to have come up at a at a given time with a given set of constraints and opportunities, and then a few years later you end up doing something really different. And I, I, I think that's very true of, of, uh, of Paul Saboran. Well, like, as, as we said, would he have guessed when he was in uh, uh, the Whiffin' Jays or whatever, would he have guessed that he would uh, eventually be, as you say, a cruise director, you know, driving a van around with John Roderick in it? It's, 
Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it led me to, I'm ashamed to say, finally tuck into the music. I mean, I know their stuff, but I haven't really sat down with it. But finally today, I opened Spotify, was happy to see tons of Pollen Storm stuff there, but also um, Da Vinci's Notebook, which is hilarious and really, really good. So those will all be in uh, the already existing show notes for the episode that's definitely already up, but you can go and, uh, and listen to all of that. He's a really, really nice guy and a very good driver. And if you don't know who he is and you don't know who Paul and Storm are, you are in for a treat. A bunch of people when I mentioned uh, behind the scenes in various slacks that he was going to be my guest on this uh, special episode. They weren't familiar with his work, so I gave them some samples and universally they're like, wow, this is great. You know, if you're the if you're the type of nerd who likes those type, that type of thing, this is the this is the A grade stuff. Some really great tracks. That you and if you've never heard I mean, them, good, good songs and also just terrific performers, such yeah, great I, singers. I, I mean, I'm I'm jealous if you've never heard them before because it's totally like you know. I'd never heard gem. enormous boner, which apparently <laughs> has 11.3 million listens on Spotify. He was not kidding. That's that's his meal mm-hmm, ticket so forever. That's like 15 cents he gets. Fif- from that. 15 for well, you know, after after uh, withholding, you know, 14 right. cents plus Storm takes a big bite out of that, right? <laughs> Government do take a bite, don't you? <laughs> Um, it's really, but like, you know, it's like, I sent it to my family and I said, you should check this out. This is, uh, Paul and Storm before they were Paul and Storm. And this is a song called, uh, Enormous Boner, Enormous Boner, Enormous Penis. What's it called? I don't know. You're talking about, I, I don't know which track you're talking about. Is that a Da Vinci's Notebook thing? Yes. He mentioned this prominently on the episode. Mm. Is this your first day? No, I no, haven't. He was talking I haven't about re-listened how got... to the episode. You know, when, when I'm on the episode, I have no recollection of it taking place. I have, that's oh, why God. I listen to all my own things so I can. Anyway. You know. I think it's it's called something like Huge Hog, and it's had eleven point eleven point three million spins. Uh, but anyway, so that's uh, that's all. Uh, but you know, thanks to anybody who who, who is supporting us, and um, these episodes are always a treat because um, we do, as we sort of outed ourselves with this time, we do try to find somebody. Well, clearly, the only people we're going to get are people that we're friends with, but we do try to find people who are at least familiar with the show, if not, you know, listeners. So that, that makes it extra fun to get to talk to Because it, it would like be super that. confusing for anyone who wasn't, obviously. You can always tell. You know, I feel so bad for somebody when they guest on a show and everybody's like, well, it's it's time to spin the wheel. And you're like, what wheel? What, what, what are, are we spinning? <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about my book. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just, What's the thing that I can promote? Um, uh, so, one more yeah, member-related thing. So this yes, is an off, off week for us. Uh, we don't have any... We don't have any specific member special content for this episode we're recording right now, but we do have to plan what we're going to do in the member special for next week. Ooh, should we pull back the curtain and talk about that? Yes, I I have an idea and I want to run past you. Um, I see two words and a question mark. This is from, this is a modification of something from, we have a separate document for ideas for what to do in member special stuff. And I thought, I mean, who, who did the last one? You did the last one, you did pasta, right? So this is technically like, my challenge or whatever if we're going to go in that thing but we're not right this is a, this is going to be a mutual thing my idea was that each of us would try to find a song that the other person hasn't heard so right away this is way harder challenge for me than for you because cool. i haven't heard anything and you've heard everything um uh. find a song the other person hasn't heard that you both like doesn't say love but you know so curate curate a single song collection of something where, based on what you know about your partner, mm-hmm. uh, what 
pick a song that you're pretty sure they would enjoy. That they haven't heard before. That they haven't heard. And and it's going to take more than one try, so maybe get three or four songs. Maybe for you it's yeah, super yeah. easy because I haven't heard anything. But I literally my main task is find a song that Merlin hasn't heard and then just hope that <gasps> something... Come on! And, you, 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 I don't know where you uh, come up well, with this. Well, here's the thing. I might, the, the subtext of this, find a song that you both like. It's probably a song in your music collection because if it's a song that I like, like I would probably have it in my music collection somewhere, right? So my mm-hmm. music collection is small and overlaps like a hundred percent with you like your venn diagram your circle is just completely covering my tiny dot of songs that i'm familiar Wait, with what is this in service of john damn your eyes you know a lot For, of songs oh mm, anyway the th- uh, i have to find one that you like uh, right and so it's gonna take me a couple tries oh uh, and we'll just give each other a couple tries and, and it has it's not gonna be a song that you love we're not going to say this is my favorite song, but it can't be like, well, I tolerate it. You have to be like, all right, there's something. It's obviously this skews towards picking songs that have like a hook or something because, you know. This is like doing a show with a passive aggressive rodent. Before I can even have a chance to respond, like you've already run away from the premise. So just real quick, for example, uh, you like to take credit for all the things that have been recommended. I think it is fair to say there are some where you and Snell have to duke it out. We proved uh, through an email that you are officially the Flophouse recommender to me. But, you know, the other one that was huge was uh, Churches, Churches with a V, where you, wow. like, you pointed me at, I don't know if it was, you sent me, like, you had several tracks you recommended, but The Mother We Share is now one of my favorite songs. And your other suggestions were great, too, and that led me to other things. I love that band. Now, here's what I don't know. is like, when I, so, like, I, I feel like you, somebody like you, somebody like Scott Simpson, somebody like uh, Alexandra Cox. It's, it's not so much that I have like an exact profile for exactly what that person's stuff is, but I, I know it when I see it. So like when I ran across Waxahachie, I was like, oh my God, Scott Simpson has got to hear this. Or like when I come, run across some band that's like very much like a, you know, like a 90s emo band that's, that's tuneful and good lyrics, I always want to send that to Alex. How do you, do you, do you have a, a general opinion off the dome about things I've recommended in the past. To me? Recommended to me? Yes. There's a handful of things I've recommended. So I just want to know if I'm on the right track or should well, I, I, here, like I... Like, I'm not going to like go, go steely Dan on you. I don't think that's your thing. Here's the twist. I think... The, the reason I think this challenge is interesting is because most of the time, at least between the two of us and, and for most people, when you're recommending a song, it's something that you like that you hope the other person would like, but you're not picking it to try to find a song that they will like. Like, what you want to do is share a thing that you like. It's di- This is a different endeavor because it's like, I don't really desperately wish that you like this because I think it's great. I'm looking for something that I think Merlin will like this. You know I, what I mean? I know, I, I totally know what you mean. And oh, that's, a like different, that's a different mode. So I think when you're, yes. very often when you recommend things to me, they're things that you really like that you hope that mm. I would like. Mm, well, then I'd probably fail because no, it's more like, for example, today, this morning when I ran across the picture uh, uh, of the bad Photoshop where somebody had made a large shrimp uh, appear to be sitting in an office mm-hmm. chair and they said, oh, my back hurts all the time, uh, but this is how I sit all day. Of course, mm-hmm. I thought of Dan Benjamin and his terrible back. And so I sent that to him and he, he laughed aloud, which you very rarely do because you like to mute. So I think it is, I think it's a fun thing. I'm also reminded of... Gosh, I sometimes mix these up. Was it CMJ or AP? Maybe it might be Alternative Press, but um, I want to say it might have been AP. But they, um, whenever they do a record review, uh, they did the coolest thing that I wish everybody did. 
which is they had a little short because, you know, they reviewed a lot of records, usually less than a paragraph. But underneath that review, you'd see the four letters R-I-Y-L, which, and then a colon, and then three to five bands. And that just meant recommended if you like. And just gleaning, you could be your own personal sort of like, uh, you know, uh, collaborative filtering algorithm where you go, oh, really? Guided by Voices, Arches of Loaf, and Sebado? Yeah, give me the boy rock. You know what I mean? I, I think it'd be fun as part of this is here's these three I picked for you and here's why. Yeah, that's definitely going to be part of it. And I, the reason my audio was all screwed up in the part of the show that's not going to be in the show because it was just totally messed up uh, was that what I was trying to do was get a setup where I could play songs to you over Skype, but also have them recorded to a separate track cleanly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I more or less achieved that, but then I realized it's just a waste and we should... we should. That's, a, that's an audio hijack. That would be a good uh, idea. Yeah, I think, I think it's just a waste and we should just send each other MP3s. Because I think the key part of, of this thing is we're going to be listening to songs and I don't want the songs to be like, well, here's how the song sounds over Skype. Because you some songs require... Yeah. Seeing it, yeah. how I feel. so we're going to find you know a handful of MP3s and trade them with each other before, and then we'll just tell the person play the song, and then we'll give the MP3s to Jim, and he can insert them. Okay, that sounds nice good. Now I'll zip them up for you to send them to you. Yeah, unfortunately, like that's a, that's the a thing with macOS. Like I know I made fun of you for zipping MP3s, but like if you just right click something and make quote unquote make an archive or whatever or compress, compress, like it puts them in zip. Like there's no option for an uncompressed archive on the Mac by default. And so I think that's a lot of people are zipping MP3s. It's Apple's fault. Yeah, it's just easier. I mean, just that whole, the longstanding tradition going back to stuff it, or probably longer, but just that longstanding tradition of like, this archive turns into a folder. There's something about that that's really cool. I, re- I still, that's one reason I do stuff like that is it's just easier and it maintains the structure and all that kind of stuff. I like this. I like this. And so we'll do it ahead of time. We'll send it in. So that that's a peek behind the curtain. And we're, and we're not the thing is we're not going to exchange the songs ahead of time. We're going to exchange the songs mm. more or less live on the air. So like oh. one at a time. So you give me oh, you, know, you give me a okay. song, I listen to it. You know, and maybe you could be playing at the same time. And I and this was this was well, I don't want to get too far into it, but like the, the original idea was slightly different. But I think this one is more like success will be if like the first song you give me, I listen to it. I'm not going to listen to the whole song. Maybe we'll you know they're going to do like you do ten ten yeah, ten, first seconds ten seconds skip, is plenty ten yeah. seconds and skip or whatever. And then if I find one, I say, yeah, I like that. Uh, then that's it. You, you know, you've, you've achieved your goal and I have to try to do the same thing. Well, let's not make it a competition. Everything's a competition. Nothing is a competition. Speaking of that, I, I finally saw Game Night. Are you excited about that? No, I don't want to talk about it. Um, All right. Well, but anyway, no, I'm worried. I, okay, because I know you don't like comedy and fun's hard for you. <laughs> well, it was exciting for me to watch that because I had... I, Jesse I, Plemons! I, Jesse Plemons! Yeah, but actually, the, I'm caught up on uh, Ozark now, and it's, uh, you know, what's his name, Bateman? Yeah, Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. One of the stars of that, and he's in Game Night. I'm like, hey, I, you know, if, if I had just seen Game Night without seeing Ozark, I'd be like, hey, I haven't seen Jason Bateman since It's Your Move, wherever the hell he was in. Um, but now I've seen Jason Bateman for four seasons of Ozark, so I was like like an old friend. Hmm. Oh, I have mixed feelings about this. I generally don't like knowing what you think of things because it's, it's really depressing to me. You're like Chili, the elf who cannot love. It's not true. I love all sorts of things. See, that's the thing. You're also contrary. Slightly different things than you. Just slightly. Oh, come on. You're going to play that card on me? Yeah. You do that? We no are, card. We are no overlapping card. Venn diagrams with big overlap. It's right in the show art for crying out loud. John, I did, I, I'm still beaming. I'm still beaming from our last episode and, and to some extent the response we've gotten to it. 
And from what I can tell, the fact that at least my wife has not yet heard it, poor <laughs> daughter. But the concept of this is a, 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 a working area, this must be kept clear. I think that is a very resonant idea, and maybe we should find some way to make it a shirt. Took a dish towel off the burners this morning. It's just uh, a daily occurrence. I have... Uh, here's... <sighs> when I make potato night, and as we know, potato night is a contrivance. Potato night is a euphemism. Yes, we make baked potatoes. We have all the fixings. Yes. But I call it potato night because it's also an excuse for me to make various kinds of steak things, or as my daughter used to call it, red steak. But it's a whole production for me. It's six hours of sous vide most of the time, or sometimes less. But I was doing a, a, a new version of a rib roast with this one, and... You know what? Never mind. Here's the thing. If I'm in the midst, if I'm about to sear and I'm trying to land three different planes at the same time, you know what I don't need? I don't need a bunch of bakeware in the, in the sink. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I really super don't need the big Dutch oven to be where the cutting board is. Because now I'm doing this. <clears throat> I'm just grabbing everything and moving it to another room. Like in the <laughs> most conceivable, the most passive aggressive way conceivable. I hand you, can I hand you, if you're done making dessert, can I give you back your iPad that was on the other part of the cutting board? Because mm-hmm. I need that area for the steak. I've been, ugh. anyway, I see, I'm still beaming. I'm beaming because for once we agree, we reconciled. Uh, well, uh, on the kitchen equipment front, by the yes. way, I know we talked about all of the season cast iron. In between that show and now, one of my, you know, year and a half old Kickstarter things arrived, which is a carbon steel pan. We've seen those being advertised at you all over the place yet. I have not. Is, was it an Instagram ad? And uh, it was. It was Mizen. Like they're yes, they do Instagram ad me, but they're. they're I miss out on so much current culture by not being on Instagram. Not just people's pictures of birds on wires and like them in sunglasses with a straw in their mouth, but also I, I miss out on so much of the current technology that people will buy and then throw away in a week. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's the. You know, one of the current trends in kitchen junk. Uh, and, and, I, and I'd never owned a carbon steel pan. So just like I got the cast iron because I'd never owned one. Let me see how that is. I got this, you know, I wanted to get this carbon steel one. Of course, that was like a year and a half ago. But anyway, it finally arrived. And carbon steel, like cast iron, needs to be seasoned. It came with instructions on how to season it. I followed the instructions at the best of my ability and promptly screwed it up. Mm. Then I watched some YouTube videos with some other advice about how to do it. There were a bunch of videos about how to reset. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to reset this. Yeah, I kind of messed it up and it looks kind of blotchy, but I bet if I just do a good job seasoning on top of it, that'll work. So I got some special like seasoning wax or some crap that you can put on it. Because uh, anyway, I did that and I, I seasoned it like three or four different coats, like they said. And now it looks like a uh, carbon steel pan that somebody screwed up, but it's also been seasoned three or four times on top of it. Wow. So I'll, I'll give you some more updates. Now, the reason I thought about those, you mentioned potato night. One of the seasoning techniques I saw, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but it was for carbon steel, was to uh, peel a bunch of potatoes with a peeler and then take the, the, the peel, the shavings that you got of the potato skin, just big, you know, russet potato, brown, big brown russet potato, peel it, take all the peels, put a pile of them in your carbon steel pan, and mm-hmm. then put like, I don't know, like half a centimeter of salt covering the entire bottom of the pan. With the mm. with the potato peels, and then pour in like another half a centimeter of oil, and just mm. cook that giant mess of like like literally like you know enough enough salt that it covers the entire surface to the depth of half a centimeter plus a huge amount of oil plus the uh, 
Salt the plus skins. oil plus starch is plus doing something. I don't even know if the potato skins are there for the starch. There was no explanation of why is it the skin of the potatoes? Why isn't it the, why isn't it the whole potato? Why is it so much salt? I don't understand it. But they said, mm. yeah, if you do this for a while, it'll, it'll it's also a way to season your carbon steel pan. I'm like, really? So I'm I'm tempted to try that, but the problem I'm faced with is where the hell do I get a bunch of potato peels? I guess I have to come up with something that I need potatoes for that I don't need the peels for. Hmm. Hmm. So I'll give you some updates on the carbon steel if I ever what, get it going. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to belabor this. Um, uh, so it seems to me you're not the sort of person that gets something like this on a lark. What was it that uh, mm, appealed appealed to you about mm-hmm. this special kind of pan? What in the pitch grabbed you? Yeah, so the pitch is um, if it's seasoned up and if you just use it a lot, it like gets darker and darker, right? Um, and it becomes non-sticky. But of course, it's not the bad nonstick that you can't put in the oven and that, you know, you have to be careful with or whatever. Right. But also so in that way, it's a lot like cast iron, but it's not as heavy as cast iron. So if you're thinking about why would I use a carbon steel pan? It's like everything you use a cast iron pan for, you can use carbon steel, but carbon steel is lighter and transfers its heat faster. Maybe like Mm -hmm. you can sear steaks in it. You can do all that stuff. It is heavier. It's heavier than aluminum pan for sure, but it is lighter than cast iron. So I was like, let me try that. That seems like a kind of a cool pan to have. And also, like cast iron, you get one of these things and you can just have it forever. Like, the, you know, you can season it, you can screw it up, you can, you know, put it in the, the oven on the clean cycle and bake it all off and start over. Like, it's it's not going anywhere. It's steel, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is... It is that's what appealed to me that like let me try this different because I've I have tons of you know good aluminum pans and I have non-stick crap that you know lasts a year and then I throw it away and buy replacements. Then I have the cast iron and now I have this carbon steel monstrosity. Hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm uh, I'm very intrigued. I want I wanna really I'm I'm already in the midst of rethinking our pots and pans strategy. Cause you know, I said this last time, I've said this so many times, but the if we, first of all, if it's a working area, keep it clear. Like, don't store a dog in front of a fire door. You know, like, don't do stuff like that. But also, like, there, sh- there are so many things in the house. It's not even that there's that many, but there are things in the house where I should be able to grab and deploy this item without looking and without moving anything. So if you put the extra Kaiser buns on top of the paper plates, I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? And... The pans, like, I, I shouldn't have to need two hands and three moves to get a pan. So I had a recent culling where I went through, I took out every pot and pan and every lid, and I, I looked for the commonalities, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, trying to find numbers that are divisible by 20 or whatever, like trying to make all these things. And I, I greatly trimmed that down. So I probably don't need another pan, but I'm very intrigued. These, a lot of these have long handles that I find very aesthetic. Yeah, if you want to think about what carbon steel is like, just think of a like a wok that you would see in a, in a Chinese food restaurant. That mm-hmm. it's that's that's carbon steel. Like it's steel and it's blackened from all the cooking in it, and it makes it kind mm-hmm. of nonstick. That's I mean, it's not it's not actually a wok. It's shaped more like just a, a plain old like you know, yeah. mine is like oh, a twelve yeah. inch skillet, like a like an all clad type thing. But it's it's carbon steel. You you mentioning wanting wanting to get things without moving stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know the the dream that people have of they find a room in their house they didn't know they had. Yeah. I have a similar one of those dreams, which is the ability to get a cookie sheet uh, out of my kitchen without using like seven of my hands, right? Like just mm-hmm. be, having a place where the cookie sheets are where you can just go and reach with one hand and pull out a cookie sheet. I have literal dreams about that. 
Like, you know, instead of just the one place where we put the cookie sheets, there's there's a whole row of things and the, all the cookie sheets. Yeah, but in there's there. so many cookie sheets and none of them are good. And then you're going to go tuck 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 out like you're trying to pull a, a book out of a tight like, shelf. Oh, you yeah, know, I, I should be saying half sheet pan, not cookie sheets. It's slightly different. You know, half sheet pans that nest in each other. We have all of ours nested for space. But if you want one of them, it's a nightmare. No, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, ours just mostly live in the oven. Uh, because I guess that's an Ohio thing and I still do that, but the, um, no, I, 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 you know, the thing is we talked about this with, uh, way back on the, when I made you watch that, uh, Japanese moving video, like I've always found it so amazing to watch somebody who thinks about moving objects in a way different, uh, than I do, but also that, you know, are strong enough to do it, but the way you can watch somebody who knows what they're doing use all three dimensions to get a couch through a door and up steps. It's just amazing to watch. And I feel like there's elements of that type of strategy that one does not always deploy in the house. Like the default state for many things in most houses is a stack. And if you're one of those people who likes to be aesthetic, you do it by, uh, you do it by like size, you get the large things and then you got the medium things, and then you got the small things. Well, if you want a large thing, you got to move all the other things. And this is why I feel like we need to start using the other dimensions more. And uh, and I, I think that's 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 part of the secret to unlock. But there's no problem inside of all of this that will be solved by adding new stuff or like finding just a, a slightly more clever way to to put it in something. It's got to be usable. You know what I mean? It's like it's got to be. Getting access to this thing when you need it is huge. It's a fire extinguisher is not going to do you any good if you store it in a different city. Like you need it when there's a fire, not when, you know, not when you're trying to be like very designy about your house. Yeah, they're ugly, but you need it for fires. I talked to my daughter about fire extinguishers again. All, all my kids, I've, I've told and shown where the fire extinguishers are multiple times because we have multiple ones of them. But it never sticks. So I, I'm getting more hands on. I'm like, you know, my daughter's in the kitchen. I'm like, we're going to not only am, are we going to go through where the fire extinguishers are, but I'm going to put them in your hands. I, I'm going to say here and like, look at it now and figure out how it works. And you know what she told me when I tried to have hmm. her do this exercise as then go get a fire extinguisher and then figure out how it works. What's that? Oh, I don't need to know how it works. If there's ever a fire, I'll just take it out and look at the instructions. The right, the printer right on the side. She says, "Look, Dad, there, there's instructions right on the side. I can read. I don't need to figure it out now. I'll just look at look at the instructions and do what it says." This is what we're up against here. I know. Oh, I know what we're up against. Tonight, when I was making my way from our home to uh, come to my private office to talk to you, um, of course, I had to go down, you know, through the kill zone, and uh, and uh, I had to move two pairs of shoes in order to open the door, which opens mm-hmm. in. This is. I think people are not thinking about this speaking of opening the door in the kill zone this is something mm-hmm. that has come up a lot like you know in the movies uh, this was actually in game night but like in, in the movies a lot of times for the purposes of the plot some regular person needs to put something in front of the door so somebody in the room can't get out they're basically like blocking the door Cl- classically a, a dining room chair there's the chair underneath the door under the doorknob yeah there's the heavy object in front of which is at least somewhat plausible but mm. always, it seems that people who have uh, presumably never done this before can, at a moment's notice, grab anything around them and cleverly wedge it so that you can't open a door, right? Right. And that seems unplausible and silly, and it's a trope, especially the, the, the chair under the doorknob, right? Game mm-hmm. Night had a clever one. Did you remember one, the one from Game Night? 
Mm-mm. It was like a big, like a, I don't know what you call it. I don't know the names of furniture, but it was like a, uh, like the height of a desk, but it was like one of those side table type things. Is this when the African-American couple is trying to get some height? Oh, uh, yeah, they were they were locked in the room. But the, the way they were locked in the room is someone slid this thing in front of the door. I'm like, huh, what are they going for? Because that's not wedged under the doorknob in the traditional way. And it doesn't look like it's heavy enough to actually stop them from opening the door. But then they did a close-up shot that explained it in the context of the movie. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty clever. This was a fancy rich person's house where the doorknob was like a long stick. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being a but a knob, it was like... A, oh, like know. a big grabber bar. Yeah. Like, well, not, but it's, it's still rotated. It's still rotated, but it was like a long stick that rotated, right? Okay. Like you'd grab the entire stick with all four of your fingers and you'd rotate it, right? And mm-hmm. the table was shoved under it so that the that thing when you try to oh. rotate it hits into the table. Uh, I I guess yes yes. Oh, that's pretty good. So you can't actually unlatch the thing to push it out of the way. It would be light enough for you to anyway. I thought there was some, so. Back to your thing of the shoes. Mm-hmm. What I have found in my experience with my daughter leaving things in front of doors is that it is amazing what a rubber soled shoe can do to stop you from being able to open a door all the way. Have you ever have you ever encountered a croc in the wild? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you think a croc, does not, a croc does not move. I've tripped over more crocs than you've had hot meals. And you think like, oh, but the door's just going to push no. the croc out of the way. It weighs nothing. Like, it'll just push it out of the way. It's like, no, it'll get like jammed they're, under they're there. They're like an anomaly of physics. They can't move. Right. They, they're just amazing grip. I, I found out. So my daughter also throws everything on the floor when she takes a shower. And, and when she takes a shower <sighs> for, for years, we were like, when she was just learning to take a shower, we're like, what is she doing there? Does she leave the curtain open for a while? I think she was leaving the curtain. Like, because when, when she's done, it's like she just, you know, sprayed the entire room with the shower, just in all directions. Mm-hmm. Everything in the it's room the is the only plausible explanation. And no, so, no one is, no one of that size can even be that wet. You towel off. You first of all, you stand there in the shower and let the excess water fall mm-hmm. off. You dry yourself. You do an initial. Let's say you're even a two towel person, like some people. You do one towel in the, in the in, while you're still in the tub, and you get the big stuff off, as we used to say at McDonald's. Just get the big stuff, right? And then once you're mostly dry, then you step out onto the cozy mat, and then you do you finish things off with that. But like, there's no need for there to be half a quart of water on the floor in every direction it's like a it's like an aquatic crime scene we'd, we'd have it sprayed onto the mirrors on the ceiling it would just be everywhere like I, th- <laughs> I think she was leaving the the shower curtain open when she was young because she was afraid to be enclosed in the space there um mm. but anyway her, her thing still i think she does close the curtain now is that she's got her wet towel and everything is soaking wet and the bath mm-hmm. mat and everything and she just throws it all on the floor sure and somebody have, get like, that you, we have those bath mats that are like fuzzy on top but rubbery on the bottom like yep. the little fuzzy. We actually have a bath mat that's a towel, but then underneath that, there's the little mat thingies plus a wet towel. She manages to get those things wedged because our door can open and close over the mat. But if you if you get it bunched up, like so, now we've got wet towel, rubber bottom mat, all scrunched <sighs> up, and the door is inoperable. It can't move in either direction. You can't you can't open it anymore, and you can't close it anymore because it's entirely wedged against the tile floor with a massive wet rubbery stuff. This is this is like a mystery novel waiting to happen. I, I feel for you trying to get out of the kill zone with those shoes because you'd think they would just be swept out of the way, but that's not true. A single shoe can entirely stop a door with three inches into its travel. Oh, it's uh, and also I, I've got I've got my very large backpack. I have a comically large backpack because that's what I like to use. File a bug. I, I so already getting around the area of the kill zone. I've sent you I've sent you video footage of this. You've seen what it's like when Daddy tries to get through that doorway. 
like with with even with relatively unencumbered. But let's say, okay, got to go to the office. Have a good night. You know, I'm going to go. And so what am I doing? You know me, what am I going to do? I'm going to be efficient. So I'm going to take things down with me. Maybe that's boxes. Maybe that's trash. So now, bet on me, right? Because I got a backpack. I got both hands full of stuff. And uh, and now I, I really, I'm like the, again, the, the raccoon paw, like, like, like stuck in the trap. And then on top of it all now, I got to set this stuff down and move shoes. Or you try, you try to move them by kicking them out of the way and they just like, they, they rock you try, over. You try, but then you fall over because you're 53 and you don't have good balance and you, they're crocs. You, you, you kick them and they rock upwards an inch and they just fall back down to their original position. So you kick them again and they rock up and they fall back down. Like they won't, they won't slide along the surface because they're just supernaturally grippy. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that should be a plot point in a movie. Someone should be chased by a baddie and they slam the door behind them and throw a crock. And then the baddie tries to open that door and slams their face into it because as soon as the door hits that crock, it gets wedged up and it's not opening another inch. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's Chekhov's crock. And uh, you make fun of this person in the beginning of the movie because let's say it's like a teenage girl and she's trying to get away and she doesn't know the ways of John Roderick and she's trying to run in her crocs and it screws up the whole plan. Right. But then later in the movie, she's able to use her skills as a softball player to take the crock and hurl it at the person. This feels like a flophouse movie. Hurl the crock at the person and expertly cause them to trip over it or for the door to not be able to open. And then they die in the kill zone with the children's shoes. There you go. Practically writes itself. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. You can learn more about ExpressVPN right now by going to expressvpn.com slash diffs. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched that uh, TV show, The Office? Hmm, Perhaps you've heard of it. Well, uh, maybe you know it's based on a UK series, which is also called The Office. Uh, I'm surprised they don't have a sillier name for it because in the UK, what a mess. But here's the thing. What if I told you there are nine other countries with their own versions of The Office that you've never seen? It's a fact probably didn't know about that because they're not usually available in my country, your country. How are you going to get the foreign office? I say international office, but it's a good question. You know, here's the thing. You can access content available around the world with no geo restrictions when you use ExpressVPN because ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. Shh, that's your secret. You can choose from nearly 100 different countries giving you access to content that isn't available in your region. So if you like watching shows or movies, I I do. ExpressVPN is a must-have. For less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN lets you access thousands of new shows and movies. Could be on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney+, Plus, tons of other streaming services. It's a no-brainer, and it couldn't be easier to use. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app on your computer or TV. You select the location, and then you just Hit connect. That's all you got to do. Folks, you got to get yourself one of these VPNs. It's so important. Even if you don't like TV, you need to keep your stuff private. And that is why you need a VPN. Go get one. ExpressVPN is incredibly fast. It does not slow down your connection. That means you can stream content in HD quality with no issues. So get the most out of your streaming services today at expressvpn.com slash diffs. If you go to that URL, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash diffs. Go there now, expressvpn.diffs to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. 
it just doesn't seem that hard. If it's a working area, you keep it clear. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been tempted to do that thing. Like if you're in some areas, and, and this would absolutely be manic, and I would no longer have a family. But in some places, you go somewhere like a uh, like a warehouse, and you'll see that like yellow and black diagonal line tape mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. like be careful because it could be a a big machine coming through here. You know that kind of stuff. Where like well, you got to you got to wear a helmet in this area. John, I've been tempted to put down tape. I don't even know where I get tape like that. I've been tempted to put down tape that says this is where the door opens inside mm-hmm. of this, let's say 90 degree quarter of a circle where the door opens, even allowing a little bit of extra room to be safe because we don't want to die from children's shoes. Nothing can ever be in this. We're back to the AirPod rule. They're either in your ears or they're in the box. This is not where shoes go unless they're on your feet as you're walking by. End of story. The danger with a line like that is I can imagine a sort of uh, following the letter of the law type thing where crocs populate the entire surface of the floor that is not in the area where the door opens. So that now when you come down, you essentially have to walk across an ocean of shoes to get <sighs> to the door. Yes, the door will Sh- open. Shoes and towels. Yeah. Right. But as you walk on them, if you if you like as you walk on them, they sort of shuffle around a little bit and one of them pokes over the line and now you still can't open the door because there were literally so many shoes that one of them just bulged out a little bit from you walking on them. Mm, it's the law of large shoes. <sighs> okay, we got to move on. Uh, John, John, tell us, uh, tell, tell, tell me about our uh, main topic tonight. What are we doing? It's an old one, right? Kind of an old one. This is the one you put in there from a while ago. And you can tell it was you because you put a word in all caps for emphasis. And uh, the topic is those movies. <laughs> those movies. <laughs> those movies. That's right. Bobby Newport. Things you caught on broadcast or cable as a youth, and they rocked your world. I mean, that's that's overselling it a little bit, but I'm going to say things that were important and influential. I'm you, leaving. So. I'm done. I'm done. This is the this is the last episode of the show. Yeah. I'm leaving. So, <laughs> You you call you mentioned you say movies, but I think the important point is you're not going to a theater to see these. I think this is important, right? Obviously, there are movies that oh, I went to the theater and I saw Star Wars. Okay, this is this is interesting. Let's let's talk about what I meant because I think this is actually really interesting. I think on the face of it, if you were being honest, which you rarely are, you would say you know exactly what I mean. But as long as we're going to play this game, let's talk about it. Have you ever stumbled across something? This here's here's my here's my general bullets on this. I say movies because have you stumbled across something on TV that you had not set out to watch, you knew nothing about, maybe it already had started before you watched it. But like, was there, were there things that you ran across that ended up having a perhaps outsized impact on your, your life or at least your tastes? And in my case, like in the, just to give it away, in the early 80s, stuff would be on HBO and Showtime like over and over and over. One of my uh, Bring Out Your Dead round, uh, ones of these is Stripes. Like Stripes is not that good, it's, but, but like it was great to me. And every time it came on, I would watch it all the way through. Tito Puente, you know what I'm saying? Lighten up, Francis. Those kinds of movies were like, so what I'm looking for here though is, yeah, other things here maybe it's something you kind of weren't supposed to be watching. Maybe you're cheating a little bit. You're watching TV when you're not supposed to. You can also extend this to other media. That's fine. But I'm looking for, what I was looking for in my those movies discussion is stuff you came across that ended up having a big uh, big impact on your young life and maybe helped form your taste, maybe made you feel just a little bit naughty, as we used to say. 
And uh, yeah, that was my general idea. What, what, what do you think it means? Yeah, I think we're mostly on the same page there. I, I mostly was emphasizing that even though it says movies, the, the serendipity is an important part of it. Right. The fact that, like I said, maybe you weren't planning on watching this. It just happened to be on the first time you caught it or whatever. That's not if you go to the movie, see it in a theater, chances are good. It was the thing that you planned and thought about and picked the movie and stuff like that. But these are not those, even though that's a place where we see a lot of movies. So that's why a lot of stuff is excluded, like, oh, Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, OK, well, I went to movie theaters, see Star Wars, but I didn't accidentally catch Star Wars and say, hey, that's the thing. that I like. Well, yeah. And let's not just appeal to your fan base. Let's also say, oh, my God, tonight at 11, 12, because they used to have movies on at the strangest times. Tonight at, you know, <laughs> at, at 12, 17 a.m., Carry On Emmanuel is going to be on. It's got that Sylvia Crystal in it, and I should probably view that. That kind of counts, but not really. I'm, I'm really I'm, I really am looking for stuff from a different time where, where you stumbled across something. And uh, for whatever reason, it, uh, it ended up. It ended up being, well, the easy one is so much better than you could have imagined, but also maybe it had a little impact on how you think or feel or do. Yeah, I have, I have a bunch of these. The easiest one uh, that fits into your definition, especially because you mentioned like premium cable, right? And, and channels that would show movies over and over again. Um, and this is the one I, 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 that I kind of, well, there's two of these. I'll pick one of them that I kind of regret that I saw, but we, so we, I don't have direct memory of this, but we must've had some kind of premium cable this time. Uh, mm-hmm. it's the movie Jaws. I was too young to see Jaws in the movie theater. <laughs> oh my God, John, you must've been terrified. But I saw it whenever, you know, whenever I was old enough to be, to stumble upon it on some premium cable channel and they would show it a lot and I should not have watched Jaws. Y'all know me, you know what I do for a living. Oh, you know, even if you saw an edited like TBS, T. Wait, no, Turner I saw broadcasting? The, the, the full thing. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can joke. We can joke about how Bruce was not very realistic and the smartest thing Spielberg ever did was not having it in very much. But number one, that movie is so much funnier than people remember. But also the it's one of those almost like a Hitchcock where it's it is really quite scary. There's a reason a lot of people didn't want to take a shower after the summer of 1975. Yeah. And so here's the main problem. The opening, the opening with the woman thrashing around is so terrifying. Yeah, although I'm glad I didn't know about Day for Night when I watched that, but it's not that's all I can think about when I see it. Um, <laughs> we're losing light. We're losing light. Yeah. My my, uh, my main problem was that I, so I grew up on Long Island and for the entire summer months, we went to the beach all the time. Like certainly every weekend and uh, and other times when we get, well, I was at the beach all summer long in going in the water. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Jaws oh, no. somehow. Yeah, you love the beach. Aww. Jaws enters my life with this new thought technology that was, hey, a shark can eat you, which for whatever reason had not been front of mind, despite the fact that I'd seen a million nature documentaries of like sharks. Oh, look how the surfer looks like a seal because they have a wetsuit on and they're on top of a surfboard and sharks get confused and they bite them. And it was like, yeah, but that all happens in California. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not in California. I'm not a surfer. I'm not wearing a wetsuit. <laughs> I don't look like a seal. Like, it never bothered to, me. I'm going to Amity Island. That place is right. awesome. <laughs> but then then I see Jaws, but A, is on the East Coast, and B, now the shark is malevolent. Because all the nature shows would go to great pains to say, sharks aren't malevolent. They're just stupid yeah. eating machines, and you look like a seal. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. But now the, the shark in Jaws... <laughs> Have you tried looking less like a seal? Yeah, the shark in Jaws has a purpose. Like, it is... It is mm-hmm. actively it's very, it's very motivated, evil and malevolent and sneaky. 
and just boy and and really big and scary and lots of people die to it in horrific very graphic ways when and and sudden i mean it's sudden there's a reason the jump scares i know people who can watch a lot of stuff but still will not tolerate anything with a jump scare and this has its fair number of there's great psychological horror but there's also like some serious jump scares yeah and that's and that i think is one of the the, the, the final nail in the coffin of this movie is that it is an amazing movie like it is it's such just, a good but don't you agree it's funny like you forget how yeah, funny no, that everything is if it wins on everything like it is it is yeah. funny it is well shot it has good performances not, not for it kids. has good writing not for kids and it's terrifying and like it is you know it is an ex, not just competently done but like this is the best of the best of the best so to a, a, a young kid it's like i was just i was at the mercy of this movie and so the reason I remember it so much is not because like, oh, and after that, I never went in the water again. No, we went to the beach all the time and I went in the water all the time. The only difference was, and you should be able to relate to this, suddenly this new thought technology was every second <laughs> I'm in the water and I'm like, hmm, a shark could appear am, there and eat me. I am become seal. Is a shark going to eat me now? Is a shark going to eat me now? I, what if, I imagine what it would be I like totally if a shark agree. appeared there. <laughs> I know, I know. That's, oh, I have so many of these. I, in my, in one of my, uh, well, if I could say without any humility, fairly famous talk I did in New Zealand, uh, I mentioned seeing the trailer for a 1979 horror movie called Magic. Do you remember? Do you remember that? And no. Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Um, I'm tempted. I have actually have two trailers here that I want to show you. So it's narrated. It's basically a a ventriloquist dummy. I was goodness. I was gonna say, does it have a dollar ventriloquist dummy in it? <laughs> okay, hang on. Abracadabra! I sit on his knee. Presto, changeo, and now he is me. Pocus, pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is real. We're dead. Josephine Levine presents Magic, a terrifying love story, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith, rated R. Okay, that is, uh, my mom had, after many years of, of penury and saving, uh, ended up going to a real estate conference in the wonderful state of Hawaii, and I stayed with uh, some delightful friends of the family. As it happened, all their kids were either like away at school as it worked out, this palatial, modern, like contemporary house, I had the entire top floor of this house to myself. And it was amazing. They, these, these people, it was old coal money. They had a telephone booth. The kids, the three, three teens, had an actual telephone booth that you could sit in a telephone booth to talk on the phone. One of the boys had, his entire room was a putting green. He had AstroTurf on the floor and a cup. Etc. These these people had you know done well with coal. Long story short, nineteen seventy nine. I got the entire I guess seventy eight. I got the entire top floor to myself. I'm watching TV like a normal twelve year old, and this trailer came on. What do you think about that, John? You like that? So this trailer is not actually scary for adults, but a well, um, <laughs> but when a, you're alone. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm discounting. I'm just saying, like, it's Anthony Hopkins being a, a ventriloquist dummy. Hey, the dummy, the model of the dummy itself, like, it might look familiar to you, but if you look closer at it, it's like no one makes ventriloquist dummies that look like middle-aged men or creepy middle-aged. It's men. very detailed. Yes. It is. It's it's weirdly detailed. His eyes and his lips. Ugh. 
And it's got the slow zoom in. And if it was a modern trailer, there'd be like a stinger at the end. But there isn't because they didn't have the technology then. But I can totally (laughs) imagine this being the type of thing they would stick in. Because it's so singular. It's just a a shot of the face slowly zooming in on this terrible dummies with it saying creepy things. And as we know, ventriloquist dummies are always very creepy just in and of themselves. In fact, there's a thing I saw on USA Network that involved a ventriloquist dummy that was also not scary but terrified me as a kid. So I can I totally feel you on this one. I do like the sweater, though. It's very jaunty. It is jaunty. Um, I won't make you watch another one, but the, this and the other one I'm going to put in notes. I had the most difficult time trying to find this years later, 1973, 74, 75. I don't know how I got away with this. Maybe I was sick. I think I'm, I may have been sick because I feel like I have a sense memory of being in my room with my cowboy lamp and having the tiny TV with me, which would be a very rare occasion. And I was going to watch uh, Johnny Carson. Like a, like a normal seven-year-old. And I saw the trailer for a movie called Beyond the Door. And I had trouble finding it because there's a pornographic film called Beyond the Green Door. And I got those names mixed up in my head. But Beyond the Door, uh, I'll put it in notes. Y'all can check it out. That effed me up good for years. Here's the thing. So what does all this have to do with our topic? Well, Kids are impressionable in ways that it's sometimes difficult to understand, even in retrospect. Uh, as the great Peter Schaefer says, moments snap together like magnets. Uh, by the way, ca- caught Equus on cable one time, and that was one of those movies. But uh, you don't know, you don't know what's coming, and when it is coming, it's too late. And like now, it's already had an impact. And so we've had a couple fun examples here of stuff that scared both of us. Although you did also get a really good Roy Scheider dolly zoom, very famous shot. But um, but you don't know when something's going to hit you at the right time. You know, you and I try so hard to take our kids in their terrible taste and fill them with good movies. But like if it's the wrong night, it can have the opposite effect because you never know how it's going to go. And then other times we just she walks in after making the floor wet in the shower and, you know, Mrs. America is on and like we're not going to watch anything else until that's over. You never know. You never know what's going to grab you. Yeah, or the wrong time in the, in the case of Jaws for me. And the, and this, by the way, is the reason I have never even mentioned to my kids that the movie Jaws exists. I've never showed it to them because uh, we spent so long struggling with both kids to get to learn how to swim and not be afraid of the water. There's no way in yeah. hell I am ever showing any of my children's Jaws. Maybe when they're when they're 40, if they discover yes. the movie exists and want to watch it on their own, go ahead. But I am never showing my kids this movie. You used to say this about the prequels, that, that, that you had them around, and if they discovered them, that would be all right, but you were not I, going to make them widely available. I would I, At this point, I would feel better about my kids watching the prequels than watching Jaws, because I think the prequels would still just bounce off them, but Jaws... This is why I will not show my daughter the Karen Carpenter story, because of my, my grave fear of, of giving her an uh, eating disorder. Yeah, no, there's certain certain things that just like you don't need to know about that because Jaws, like they have, you know, they have my genes mixed in there somewhere. I was extremely susceptible to <laughs> <You> Jaws <laughs> and yeah, and I don't I don't want to subject them to that. I feel bad enough that I, that I made my son watch Alien before he was ready and probably scarred him for life. But I, I know but, but I, like I, Alien I, I is know. like, well, now is he afraid to, to go on a mining ship? Like it's not relevant to life, whereas Jaws is going to make them go on vacations to the beach all the time. I do not want to deal with. The psychological scarring. This is uh, why my kid is now so terrified about problems with trade federations and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> electing a new chancellor. Um, so, w- want to do a couple, do a few uh, 
round robins? I have, I have one more that does a flip side of Jaws. So Jaws is the, the negative one. Like, even though a great movie, I still mm-hmm. like Jaws to this day. I'm not scared to watch it anymore. I'm mostly over it for going in the water. Or whatever. That, but anyways, that, the, the, that uh, USS Indianapolis speech is really good. That's, that's just a good movie. Um, it's such a good movie. I mean, everything that man is in. Well, what's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Robert. Dreyfus? Richard Dreyfus? No. Uh, the, the guy who's uh, in Quint? Sting. The guy who played, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, oh come on, uh, Robert Shaw. There you go. He's great in everything. He's one of those. He should be on that list for that podcast Todd <laughs> and I will never make about uh, people who elevate everything yeah. they're in. Robert Shaw is going. When on he's that doing list. the uh, rabbit goes in the hole around a tree like that thing, I knew the knot he was doing because I had just learned that same knot in sailing class. So yep. it's like like the movie is hit that me that in a, just the bowling, perfect time. Right? Like the bowline, right? I don't remember the name of the knot. Or anymore. as you say, bowline. I think it is. I used to have to tie my um, <laughs> laundry bag to my bunk with one of those knots in military school. Mm, Got to learn where the rabbit goes around the tree. Anyway, so mm-hmm. the, flip, the flip side of that was, and this ties into very much your, your premise of this, of a thing that you stumble on accidentally. Uh, and it also ties into the time period for both of us, our, our childhoods, when yeah. stumbling upon something accidentally, if it wasn't like a movie that's going to be on premium cable every day for the next two years, like constantly... If you stumble upon it and you watch it, you may have no idea if that thing is ever going to appear on television again, especially if it's something obscure. So this is on the good side of this. I mean, it's good, but there's a bad aspect to it. See in a second. I stumbled upon an animated movie that I had never seen before that immediately just 100% grabbed my attention. I came in somewhere in the middle, like I didn't catch mm-hmm. the beginning of this because I was just flipping channels, which is the thing that people did when we were kids. And and then I was just glued to it until it ended. And what I had watched, which I, like, while it's playing, like I think maybe during the commercial break or something, I'm frantically flipping through the TV guide to say, what is this? What am I watching, right? Or maybe like the station break was telling me whatever, like we'll return to. So what I was watching was a movie called in the in the TV guide, uh, Warriors of the Wind or oh. something similar to that. And Warriors of the Wind was a- an early terrible attempt to bring Studio Ghibli movies to America where somebody, some company got the rights to Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind and they cut it up to hell. They just chopped the movie into bits and had a bunch of uh, English speaking people say entirely different lines over the thing. You know, they did basically the Robotech thing, but bad. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And they gave it a new title and they came up with a new plot that loosely fit into the animation they had and they resequenced things and they cut things out. And it was just a terrible mess. You know, and it famously is one of the things that made Studio Ghibli say, if we ever give anyone our rights to to this stuff, you're not allowed to touch a single frame. Can you imagine how much he must have hated that? No, he totally did. That's that's why he sent uh, Harvey Weinstein a a samurai sword saying no cuts. (laughs) That's a a true story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's, that's a that's a good samurai sword wasted yeah so but anyway all that said that this is that this is a terrible version this is the first time as far as i'm aware that i had seen anything from studio ghibli and that like that is you know direct line to my central nervous system like those movies just tap into something deep inside of so even though this thing was cut to hell and even though it was a weird dub and even though the story yeah, wasn't but right like, yeah, but, 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 like, hang on take me back to where you were don't tell me about well, I'm interested, obviously, in what you think in retrospect, but what I'm really interested in is where you were then. You'd never seen anything like this. Let's be honest, you at that time would have no way of knowing how chopped up it was. 
did you, you were, it came on and what grabbed you? How did you know this was something new and special? So I was already a fan of anime. I, there was a lot oh, of okay. seven, there was a lot of seventies anime, like Transor Z and Battle of the Planets, both of which were like mangled versions of like Gotcha Man and, and, and Manziger Z or whatever they were like. They were, I was used to seeing what I didn't know then were Americanized remixes of Japanese animation. And the thing that drew me to them was certainly not the amazing plots or dialogue as they were, you know, <laughs> A, these weren't the real plots or dialogue anyway, and B, they were just nonsensical garbage. The animation, it looked different than Hanna-Barbera. It looked different than Looney Tunes. It just looked different, and it looked different in a way that appealed to me incredibly. So I was familiar with that, right? But those were half-an-hour kid shows, 20-minute kid shows, right? Well, yeah, I mean, like, another example of that is if you... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but what, what in America is called Panda... Uh, you know, Panda Go Panda. Uh, panda Go Panda, which is a very early Miyazaki-related uh, thing that's obviously hugely related to Totoro in some ways. I mean, it's really, it's garbage in a lot of ways, and yet it is totally delightful. But when you go back and watch that from 72, 74, something like that, you go back and watch that with six or eight Miyazaki films under your belt, and you're like, it's it's like you discovered some kind of like a, a secret room in your house. Yeah, and, and and like, it's very difficult to explain what it is. That's, I'm sure if you if you like compare it frame by frame, what, what distinguishes Hanna-Barbera animation from, or what distinguishes Super Friends from anime? Somebody, somebody on Twitter just the other day said, I forget who it was, mm, I forget who, but somebody said, one reason I've never gotten into anime is that it, it, it looks so different in like the number of frames. Like it's so, you know, even if you watch something like Summer Wars, like Summer Wars is beautifully drawn, but the way it's animated is a little bit crazy. I, the, the actual drawings in Summer Wars are incredible, but it's got that jumpy anime feeling to it, you know, which to a young person or a not so young, but a a preteen person who watched a lot of cartoons might read as this is cheap. You go watch something from the 20s for the like Fleischer Brothers, and it's like or 30s, 40s. It's way over animated. There's too many, there's too many frames. Whereas anime is jumpy and then mouths don't match. Well, so the, the cheapness is any any show where you do fewer frames per second, you save money because you have to do fewer drawings, right? And this yeah, was before yeah. computers or anything like that. Um but what always drew me to the anime was just how things looked. And even if it was at a lower frame rate, it didn't matter because the actual individual frames were so interesting and dynamic. Like every, everything was different. The people were drawn different. The machines were drawn different. The backgrounds were drawn different. The camera moves were different. Everything like yeah. I it, it was so night and day that I didn't understand how anybody could look at it and think this is the same as that. It was so clearly Japanese animation, especially the tiny, narrow subset that I was getting in America. You would you would never you would never mistake it like the giant eyes with the three white but, circles yeah, in them. It's but even if totally even if you just thing. saw a car, if you just saw a house on a hill, like it, you, you doesn't matter what was shown, it would never be drawn that way in Western animation. And we were just and I was just seeing like a tiny sliver of Japanese animation that was randomly selected. So you get like things like Voltron that were animated in where mm-hmm. it was South Korea or or Korea, Japan yeah. or whatever. Or, or shows that were brought over wholesale but just completely mangled, or Robotech, which I was also into. Now, the reason, quote-unquote, Warriors of the Wind stood out to me is that unlike those half-an-hour shows where budget was a big concern, this was a full-fledged feature where much more money was spent on every aspect of the production of this because it's just the one. It's a two-hour movie. We know what Nausicaa looks like. It's amazing. It's not at the time born, you know, like, at the sort of spirited away era where it was... So um, just just so I'm clear, are you you're speaking in a slightly coded way? Is was it Nausicaa that you saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said that earlier. Yeah, this is, it it was Nausicaa, okay, but but chopped to hell. 
right? But okay. Nausicaa is a two-hour movie or whatever. It's a weird with, movie. <laughs> with tons really of money spent on Compared to how much money gets spent on two hours of, like, episodes of Battle of the Planets, tons of money is spent on Nausicaa, right? It's just a lavish mm-hmm. thing, right? And so that's what I was seeing. Well, I was seeing what looked like the, the world's most amazing episode of a Japanese animation show, but everything was cranked up to 11. Uh, and I loved it. I could not get enough of it, right? And so I came in in the middle... And it goes through, and you're right that I had no idea this was a chopped up version of anything, and certainly they weren't going to tell me. And then it ends, and then I'm like, "What the hell was that?" Now I, and I'm like, and I'm going through. Is this ever going to be on again? Like I, I remember, I remember where I was sitting. I remember my couch and my my television and, and the thing. Like, and I was like, "How how am I ever going to get to see that again?" Because kids these right. days they don't know. Like I couldn't rec- I couldn't record it. Well, I mean, it's not John. It's not so different from hearing a song on the radio that like in the course of two and a half or three minutes changes your life. And you have no idea what that song is. If you didn't hear the back announce on it, yeah, what possible way would you have of ever finding that again? So the good and thing about radio this, is this is was... like the new Citizen Kane. It's like trying to go back and find something you vaguely, vaguely, vaguely remember from your youth. And it's virtually impossible. The crappy top 40 radio I listen to though is like, look, if you just keep listening to the radio, you're probably going to hear it tomorrow. Whereas this mm-hmm. was some high numbered channel on my cable box with the big slidey thing that I slid way over to like whatever channel eighty. Oh, I don't like those. I don't like the slidey thing. I don't like no. That. And like I was off in the in the weeds. Whatever channel this was, it was like the same channel <laughs> that up, I was up by Weather Channel and C-SPAN. <laughs> it was the same channel I watched like Transor Z on. I'm like, but this wasn't because it was a movie and not a series. I couldn't tune in next week on the same time and the same day. And we had a VCR, but I would have need to like change to channel three and switch to the thing and i would have missed some of the things so i didn't actually record it and i was just like i need to whatever that was a, i need to see the beginning and b i need to see that again and there was no internet for me to look it up and like for the longest time i would describe this to my friends i'm like i saw this thing on tv it was called warriors of the wind and nobody had heard of it nobody knew what the hell i was talking about i did not have any friends who were like oh uh, let me tell you about anime or like no nobody they're like you, you sound whatever. you sound crazy that's like me showing up in eighth grade and saying i heard this insane song on the radio last night and i swear to god the lyrics are goo 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 ga 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 my friend's like what are you talking about i was like it's this english band i think and the, the song goes goo 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 ga 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 and of course, it's the police song, do 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 da da da. But like, that's not going to help. I mean, you sound you, you've already you've already clearly identified yourself as being a nut. Like, what were you watching up there? Why do you want to see it again? And what are you talking about? Yeah. So, and again, at least for the police song, it's like, look, it's going to become popular in America. Maybe they'll know about it. But this was just for the longest time was just a th- an experience that I had that profoundly affected me that no one else shared. And I think it was maybe a year and a half later, it came on again, and my friend was over, and this time. I uh, sacrificed the whatever 10, 15 seconds it took me to switch to channel three, get the VCR set up, find a tape, put it in, rewind (laughs) and record. Hope you're not recording over Dynasty. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I recorded like the back three quarters of Warriors of the Wind with commercials inserted into it every, you know, five minutes. Oh my God. And then I would just rewatch that, you know, the, the, the VHS tape of that section of the movie over and over again. Uh, and my friend saw it too. Was like, this is the thing I was telling you, and he thought it was cool too. For the longest time, we were like, we I think we incorporated parts of it into like our D and D campaign of the whole they call the toxic jungle in the movie or whatever that ended up featuring into some of our D and D campaigns. Is this the one with the, the the big squiggly wormy looking thing? The ohms, yeah, ohms, right. And but it's also is it the spinny head guys in the in the trees too? Uh, no, it's Kodamas. That's uh, Princess Mononoke. That's Mononoke. Um, boy, what a weird, what a weird movie. That's so wild. Ugh. And and the, what what roughly roughly what year are we talking about here? 
my god i think maybe i'm in sixth grade i have to look at the timelines to see where it, where it lines like, up like, give me a year. Actually... like what mm, let me look it i mean no 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 just just off the dome like within five years we're, we're talking about the oh, early so, 90s I'm late so 90s bad with with years let me see when the thing was <sighs> this, is, this, is year you were in sixth... this is probably <sighs> like 86 87 wow that's wild wow or, like or maybe it was later like i i was in i could i was in the my parents second house so i could pinpoint it there but no no that's it you 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 weren't you weren't in high school no again this is, this this is, is they say they say that like the like fight it all you want the strongest relationships with music you will have it is said in america uh is is the music that you love when you were 14 and like there's there i i think some of that stuff is kind of true you don't get to pick like i don't I there's a if I wanted to be cool, I would not like Holland Oats as much as I do. But I really like Holland Oats <laughs> because they hit me at a moment where they they really got under my skin. Yeah, Jonathan Colton took advantage of that when he did the cover of all those '70s songs. Oh, uh, some some guys. Yeah, it made me face the fact that a I know every single note of all those songs, and b I like them absolutely. Like it made like which is a thing that I had not confronted directly for a very long time. <laughs> I didn't have those songs in my collection, but by him making that album. I immediately understood why he made it, and I got the album, yeah. and I also bought all the original versions of all those songs. Well, before before the album even shipped, I'd, I'd pre-bought it on, I guess, Kickstarter or wherever, but uh, he put out, I believe he put out a Spotify list of all the original tracks. Mm -hmm. And of course, I knew, you know, yeah. I, I still think England Dan and John Ford Coley's I'd Really Love to See You Tonight is one of the great songs. Oh, they're all, they're I, all good songs. I'm not proud of that, but they're they're really, really good songs. Uh, they're unimpeachably good songs at what they do, right? And so, yeah, the, this, the, the interesting thing about Nausicaa is that I think it was probably not until I went to college, or at least in the in the advent of the internet, that I actually found out what movie was that, like, and and, and learned all the things, like the fact that it was a cut-up version and the real version. I had I did not see the real version of Nausicaa, I think, until I was in college and had access to wow. both the internet and the city of Boston and it's, you know, treasure trove of uh, YouTube bootleg CDs and anime VHS tapes and all that other stuff. So there was a long gap between Warriors of the Wind and watching my, I, I never did catch the beginning of Warriors of the Wind. I just got like the last <laughs> three quarters of the thing on VHS. Um, at that time, I was, I was also taping every single episode of Robotech on VHS using my, my mastery of the timer feature of my VCR. So I was amassing quite wow. a collection of physical media so I could rewatch this anime but at least robotech was on a predictable schedule this was just on randomly every year or two i i also i want to um in a non-hostile way push back on something you said oh you know a song like you know that that song by the police oh you'll hear it again because it's really popular well that's retroactive insight that's not useful when you're 13 because part of what we're talking about with at least my movies and I assume with your movies is, for, I didn't know this was a thing. Like, let's go back to Stripes. Like, I guess I was aware of Stripes. Stripes is a pretty straightforward one. It's not one of the huge movies in my life, but before I get to my good ones, like Stripes, I, I, I don't know what to think of that, but it was like a four quadrant hit. It had boobs and it had Bill Murray and it was, and it was fun. But like, the problem is from this time, and I don't want to overstate this, but I think it's important in terms of the specialness. It's like, it's one thing to go to your pal's house and like watch a movie that you rented from the local place on VHS and everybody's seen this and, oh, maybe after the parents go to bed, we'll watch Animal House or whatever. It, that's a long way from, I don't know what this is. I don't know where it's from. I don't know how to describe it. 
And I certainly don't know if I would ever be able to see this again. Because let, let's go back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. What am I watching? So there are movies like that, especially when you're very young, that end up having a huge impact on you, partly because it's it's very arousing to be there in a moment where there's not even time to go to Channel 3 and record. You know what I mean? It's like there's no way to like look this up, which I know sounds mental to people today, but like that was it. Like if you wanted to catch the episode of Happy Days with the Malachi Crunch and you went to church that night instead, you were going to have one more opportunity that summer and that's it. So take that and now like, so I'm just imagining you watching some, some boulderized version of Nausicaa, especially now knowing what I know about you. Like that must have that must have given you tingles. It must have felt so weird and and just foreign. And like it's the type of thing where you go to the library, which is the only place I had to look things up because adults right. in my life didn't know, other kids didn't know. So the library. Guess what? The library had a Warriors of the Wind. Zilch. Well, right. If it's not if it's not in if if it's in Leonard Malton and you know the name, if you know the title, you can work with that. But where do you go in and say like? A girl uh, fights. A well, I knew big... I knew the title "Warriors of the Wind," but that wasn't the title of the movie. It was Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, and "Warriors of the Wind" was like direct to VHS in in the right. '80s, like, and it was just like, and none of the books. And bottom line is, none of the books in my middle school or elementary school library were published in the 80, 1985. They were all published, you know, 10, 15 years before that. It's not like they're oh, getting one hundred percent. That branch library is not going to have up to date data on Japanese anime. I mean, I had a lot of Garfield books, but I didn't really have a lot on. Oh, I love on, that um, guy. You love know. that guy. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page on Warriors of the Wind because I have no recollection of it. Apparently, the Ohms were bad. They were the enemy in the movie, and they cut 22 Ooh. minutes from Nausicaa. So they they Woof. subverted the entire point of the movie, which is that the, that's uh, a lot the, of minutes. That the insects are not bad; they're just insects. So they subverted the entire point of the movie and cut a hell of a lot out. And changed the name of everybody and made it all English. It's just terrible. Please, nobody, nobody, please watch this. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Mint Mobile. You can learn more about Mint Mobile right now by visiting mintmobile.com/diffs. It's a sad story, but you know, breaking up with your old wireless provider. Well, it's sad. You know, a lot of feelings there, but. Tell you a secret, it just got a whole lot easier thanks to Mint Mobile because they were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks per month. That's right, unlimited plan for 30 bucks. Wow. How much is your soon-to-be X wireless provider charging you? Because I bet it's more. You know, they sent me one of these and I was... Uh, I was skeptical. I, I was not optimistic that this would work. I don't really understand how computers work, but the truth is I was up and running in a few minutes. I popped that little card into my device and boom, I was up. I was very pleasantly surprised with how easy it was to do. So if you're one of those people that hates their phone bill and you're ready for something new, Mint Mobile offers their premium unlimited plan for just 30 bucks a month. And they do this by going online only, eliminating the traditional costs of retail, and then passing those savings on to you the reconcilable differences listener all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5g network use your own phone with any mint mobile plan keep your same phone number along with all your contacts nothing wrong with that if you are not 100 satisfied mint mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee so right now you go you break up with big wireless boo big wireless you switch to mint mobile's premium 
unlimited data plan for 30 bucks a month. So to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just, as we say, 30 bucks a month, get that plan shipped to your door for free. You go to mintmobile.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S, mintmobile.com slash diffs. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month. You go to mintmobile.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. We're, 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 we're running long. So what I propose for this round for me is I'm going to start with my a handful of bring out the dead. And then I'm going to give you two movies where you get to pick which one I talk about. Cool. Sure. Bring out your dead round stuff like stripes stuff like uh, John Biner's Canadian comedy series, bizarre, which is like the first time I ever saw super Dave Osborne. There's all that kind of stuff that just comes over the transom. Dude. The first time I saw the big Lebowski, was when I was making web pages at my desk in 1990, I want to say nine. In any case, like it, it was on like, it was on some kind of like uh, premium cable. That was the first time I saw the Big Lebowski. Like it's just, it just shows up. So um, these are weird, but Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, the book I've read the most in my life when I first caught that movie on, it's not a great movie, but it was so exciting to, I didn't even know there was a movie of Slaughterhouse-Five. Like, I first read that book when I was, like, 16. And when I was, like, 18 and saw it on TV, I was just blown away. Um, it's not a great movie, but it's got a lot of great people in it. And uh, it's a very good book. Um, I don't want to dwell on this too much. But one of the game changers for me <laughs> is a very uh, movie full of stereotypes, but still very important. The 1970 movie Boys in the Band, which is about a birthday party. Um, uh, in the early, uh, late sixties, probably by this gay guy in New York. And it's the first, first movie that started to really change my heart about the humanity of people who weren't straight, which is a terrible thing to say, but sometimes you need that when you're 16 or 17. I know the movie's not perfect. Don't email me, but I think you could not have gotten to an angels in, in America without a boys in the band. Um, so here's the two from the same era. And I feel kind of almost equally strongly about both Escape from New York and Excalibur. You pick. Those would both be on my list too. Uh, although I'd like you to talk about Excalibur because I feel like that was the, the bigger one in my memory. Excalibur arrived on cable very close to the time that I was getting into D&D. But even if I weren't, if I mean, being into like a little bit into D&D and seeing Excalibur, what do you even say? <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a wild movie. And it, uh, so it's John Borman, who's done a ton of great movies. I think he did, um, Hope and Glory. He's done a ton of great stuff, but Excalibur shows up one night. I'm sure I was out, you know, in the living room <laughs> out. I wasn't out of the house, but I was watching this and this is super R rated. It's really violent. There's a lot of like nudity. There's a lot of boobs and intercourse in it, which is cool when you're, you know, 1314. But um boy, this movie really just drilled into my brain center. It's not a great movie. Interesting facts about it. I want to say that Helen Mirren, isn't it? She sure she's is. also in she's also in the thief the cook his wife and her lover. But the one that's gonna really blow your mind if you don't know this is uh I think it was Liam Neeson's first big movie. And he has a very minor role in it, but I think he's Sir Wayne. 
But Excalibur is the story of, you know, King Arthur and, uh, you know, the, the moistened bint out in the, uh, in the <laughs> pond distributing swords. <laughs> and, uh, and from, from, you know, uh, from Arthur, uh, he's got his father, Uther, and there's young Arthur. And then we meet the amazing Nicole Williamson as Merlin. Anal nathrak orthas betad dochiel diende. I've seen this movie so many times. That one really, that was, that was a dinger for me. And I returned to it many, many times. And I think it probably had a pretty big impact on my obsession with this sort of D&D related fantasy world. Like down to like going and seeking out classical music about, you know, about Arthurian myth and like, I don't know, man. It just, it really hit me. I thought the armor was so cool in Excalibur. Yeah, so that's Excalibur. It's, it's got to be very, that and Escape from New York, very near the top of the list. Like both first round picks for me of like, I had no idea. I was not prepared for this thing landing on my head. Yes, yeah, so that, that, I think that also falls under the category of thing that you maybe probably shouldn't have been watching. Like, so it's no. somewhat illicit, right? Because so it, much it, it would be on late at night. And like, you, you really wanted to see the rated R one. I think the reason it stood out for me is uh, by that point, I was I was into like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, but didn't know that this type of movie could exist. Like a movie that that uh, involves the things that I was into from Dungeons and Dragons, but A, takes them quote unquote seriously, which is funny when you, if you watch it with, with modern eyes. yeah. It has has a budget and is stylish. It's got good music and like the whole thing is very well done. And B is gritty. Like like so gritty. violence is violent. The sex and nudity is just like it's everything is it's like it's like a, a like when you're a kid you look at this and you think this is like a movie made for grown-ups but about things that kids are into. Well John John even if you took out all the violence and all of the sex there would still be a giant warning for what we've come to call what <laughs> adult situations. There's a lot of, even if you take out the boobs and the gore, it's still, there's so many adult situations, including like tricking people into having sex with you by pretending to be somebody else and mm-hmm. all of that. And, ah, this, weaving this the dragon's breath. The other thing I put in this category is Dragon Slayer. Do you remember that one? I never saw it. Similar. It's in a similar vein. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. Dragons, is that whatever. Tom Cruise? Uh, no, uh, it was, it was all, all it was, it was, it, I was going to say it. It's a similar sort of B-level cast of Excalibur, but Excalibur has Liam Neeson and Patrick stewart and so anyway patrick stewart yep. right and helen mirren right but anyway uh dragon slayer what what it had to recommend it was similar in that it was like okay it's a movie about dragons but the violence is very violent when people get roasted by the dragon it's gross and it's like yes. taking itself seriously and it, you know it's but not like, as good but as like it, it didn't it didn't like there's so many kinds of things where like i think game of thrones is pretty good at this but like where you're like there's no part of this that's not important I feel like there are movies like sword and sorcery films where you're like, it's really all about like violence and fighting a dragon, or it's really about these, you know, these doofy Lord of the Rings style, like this entire second act in the movie is going to be an elvish or whatever. But like to take both seriously is like in the same way that a good, oh God, I'm so embarrassed. A good D&D campaign needs an X-Men team. You need people who can do different things. You need fighters who can fight. You need clerics who can heal. You need magic. You know, you need all of these different people doing their part and pulling together. And you have to take that seriously. And in a movie like this, there's no part of this that's not important. Like the the, the weird illicit sex is important. Like the, the fighting is important. Merlin's spells, I mean, that's all very important. And it's like, there's something about that. Like, And again, not a perfect movie by a long shot. 
I don't even know if I'd recommend it to somebody. It's probably no, weirdly dated. It's a dated. perfect movie to find on cable when you're 12. That's what it's perfect yeah, for. Yeah, that's it. Dang. I, I, yeah, I don't think I would recommend looking at it. I, I'm just looking at Dragon Slayer, by the way. It was released two months after Excalibur. Uh, stars Peter McNichol. Uh, Ian McDermott is in it. Wow. Like, if, if you watch it with the eyes of the 12-year-olds who just saw Excalibur, you will see how they are just a match set of, like, this is way grosser and more serious and gory than I thought it would be. Really? Man, look at that Helen Mirren. Jiminy Christmas. Morgan Le Fay. Hope to shout. Woof. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, this is homework for all the listeners. Go, go watch Ex- Excalibur and Dragon Slayer. Like, <laughs> Okay, how about this? Let's do this. Of your list, your short list, are there any of the movies on that we've talked about or that are on your list that you actually would provisionally recommend versus, say, to avoid? Like for me, that's Escape from New York. Escape from New York is dated and it's got a lot of bad stuff in it and it's very problematic. But like that movie's a that movie's a straight stone cold dinger of a movie. I haven't seen that in ages. That and uh and uh what do you call it? Uh the other the other one. Um with the beholder. Stripes. No, the one with the beholder. Um Beholder like a of China, thank you, finally. Oh really? Yeah. I, I lump that with Escape from New York just because of the star. Um what about uh, Buckaroo Banzai? Would you put that in the same pile? I don't, I'm not sure I've seen that. I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai. <gasps> Challenge. Hmm, I don't know if we want to watch nah, movies. Yeah. Anyway, everyone should just watch Nausicaa because it's a triumph of cinema. That's because very good. No qualifiers. Yeah. Would you watch it with subs or dubs? Subtitles, please. Mm-hmm.